Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show on iTunes where you can rate and review us. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can, of course, join the Katie Helper Show Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show, where you will get bonus episodes. Really excited for today's episode. And before I talk to Victoria Dooley, Dr. Victoria Dooley, here's a little announcement about her becoming a surrogate. She's announcing it here on the Katie Helper Show with an exclusive announcement and a video where she explains why she supports Bernie Sanders. My name is Dr. Victoria Dooley. I am a physician. I am a mother. I am a daughter. I am a black woman. And I support Senator Bernie Sanders for president because he is the only candidate who commit to providing health care coverage for all Americans. I support Bernie Sanders for the kids, documented or not because he's gonna guarantee that all children can go to school and obtain a hot lunch, regardless of their patient's or parent's ability to pay. I support Bernie Sanders for my own kids so that they won't have to incur a quarter of a million dollars in student loan debt like I did to obtain a higher degree. I support Bernie Sanders for women, black, white, Latino, trans, all women, because we deserve equal pay and we deserve the right to choose when it comes to our own bodies. I support Senator Bernie Sanders for men, all men, but especially for the black and brown ones who were locked up for marijuana charges and who were denied release because their prison slave labor was deemed invaluable. I support Senator Bernie Sanders for the LGBTQ plus community because love is love. I support Senator Bernie Sanders for seniors because they should not have to worry about cuts to Social Security and they should not have to choose between affording their prescription medications or food for the month. I support Senator Bernie Sanders for my patients, for all of my patients who have delayed doctor's appointments, tests or treatments or ER visits or medication refills because of rising co-pays, deductibles, co-insurances, et cetera, et cetera, they simply cannot afford it. I support them for my diabetics who are rationing insulin, for my patients with cancer who fear that if they lose their job, they won't be able to afford the treatment for it, for all of my patients. I support Bernie Sanders because he is the only candidate who's committed to making life better for all Americans, not just the millionaires and billionaires, not just women, not just men, not just the middle class, not just the poor, not just women, not just men, for everyone. And so I hope you'll join me in supporting Senator Bernie Sanders for president by visiting berniesanders.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Katie Helper Show. And I'm so excited to be talking to Dr. Victoria Dooley. Hi, thank you Hi. for having me. I'm super excited myself. Yes, um, you uh, are a physician, a family medicine physician. Uh, she's a family medicine physician who has been a featured health expert on WXYZ News. She's published op-eds in the New York Times, Huffington Post, or HuffPost as we now call it. She's a member of PNHP, Physicians for a National Health Program, which is, of course, the organization of which Adam Gaffney, major friend of the show and uh, recurring guest on the show, is the president. Recently, uh, Victoria's passion for ensuring Medicare for all was acknowledged by Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign, and she's now a surrogate of it. So that means she's um, dedicating her time and efforts to ensuring that single pay, your Medicare for all, gets passed to ensure all Americans as a human right. Um, and you can find her on Twitter at Dr. Dooley, MD. That's Dr. Just D R D O O L E Y M D. So welcome, Victoria. Thank Dr. you, Dr. Dooley. Welcome. Were you were you ever tempted to change your last name to Doolittle? It came so close <laughs> to to being that. No, I wasn't. Not at all. But I get that question a lot. Yeah. Oh well, I thought I was going to be the first. There goes my. <laughs> there goes goals. Life goals. Um, can you tell us about how you got into medicine? 
Absolutely. Well, um, when I was a little girl, my parents saw when I was really young, I was interested in the sciences and biology. And so they kind of fostered that. And um, my dad, he had like one of the first open heart surgeries, some type of valve he had replaced wow. when he was a uh, like 12 years old in the, in, in the state of Ohio. So he had this long scar right down his chest and he wasn't ashamed of it. He was always wearing the V-neck t-shirts. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided that one day if my dad's artificial heart valve ever needed to be replaced, that I was going to be the one to do it. So um, I kind of just always wanted to be a doctor as a little girl. And uh, what what happened to his uh, his heart valve? It's still working fine. My father wow. is sixty five. He just recently turned sixty five and got his Medicare. Nice. And um, it's still working great. Great. Um, so tell us how you got into the um, how you became passionate about Medicare for all. Well, um, obviously, everybody's going to say I went to medicine because I wanted to help people. Right. Um, but I trained in Detroit and I trained in Flint. Um, and there's uh, passion about health for all, but especially health disparities. So health disparities are, are when you have worse outcomes for certain groups of people, um, like African Americans. And um, so training in Flint and training in Detroit, I had a lot of people who didn't have, you know, super fancy health insurance because they were CEOs somewhere. And so I learned how to do a lot with a little bit of resources. Uh, but what I've noticed even since um, I've been like a teen is that all these healthcare costs are rising and rising for everyone. Um, when I first went to the pharmacy to get my first prescription for my acne as a teen, my dad had that insurance where my copay was $0. Mm -hmm. And then now people are going to the pharmacy and they're having to pay hundreds of dollars for medication, life-saving medication. And so I'm a young physician, relatively young physician, but just in my short career, I'm seeing all these costs get shifted to patients and patients are really suffering and it's not moral. It's not right. And uh, you are African-American yourself. Yes. Um, did you suffer any of or experience any of this disparate care? Um, obviously, it's, it intersects with class, so it's not that everyone has the same experience. Or did your father, for instance? Absolutely. Well, fortunately, again, when I was young, my father had one of those really good Cadillac healthcare plans where pretty much everything was covered. So it wasn't really an issue for my family, um, being a, a middle class family back in the day when we really did have a middle class. So I didn't. Um, but just little things like uh, black skin. Um, mm -hmm. Taking care of black skin is different than taking care of white skin. Things look different in black skin than white skin. So I, I had bad acne and I had just had a really hard time finding a dermatologist who was used to having an African-American population and, and, and black hair and, and knew right. how, to, how to address those things. Right. So that's kind of one of those things that's not taken care of by per se or it's by Medicare for all, right? That's something that because uh, lots of times people will say, and I'm sure you've encountered this, you know, is Medicare for all going to end racism or sexism? And, and no, it's not. And no one claims it is. But it also is a racial justice issue. It is. So with Medicare for all, it's going to increase the amount of people who are insured to 100 um, percent. We're talking about a Medicare for all single payer system, not one of those uh, other systems that some of the other candidates talk about so that anybody can go to the doctor or the hospital and they leave and they have zero bills. So Medicare for all is going to address health disparities because one of many reasons why people of color face health disparities is because of the cost. They can't afford the cost of care. So access is one issue for sure. Um, uh, but the cost of care uh, is another issue. So right. if we can eliminate costs as a concern, it would absolutely help everybody, especially people of color. And there are these studies. I mean, you just referred to the experience of not having, you know, having difficulty finding um, a doctor who knows how to treat black people's skin. And that's something that's maybe like there, that's an issue of representation and also like knowledge and uh, then there's also the issues of implicit bias. So those are things that are not necessarily cured by Medicare for all, but that doesn't mean that they're mutually exclusive. It does not. They're yeah. not going to be cured, no. Right. But it's not, it, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive in that it's not like, oh, because we're going to do Medicare for all, we're not going to try to do those other things. Exactly. Which is exactly. like a straw man argument. Right. And, 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 and we need to increase uh, physicians of color right. um, so that there's a, people of color can find a doctor that looks like them if they want to. And sure. um, so no Medicare for all is not going to magically make that happen. But that's when other things we need to look for candidates who are going to increase, uh, decrease the cost of education, exactly, which is a right. huge hurt, hurdle for right. people. Yeah. So that's related. And school debt cancellation, I think, affects African-American women 
more. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um, African American women are, are are more likely than almost any other population to have degrees and have debt, and that will certainly help us. Yeah. Um, and um, what what are can I ask you about to respond to some of the concerns that people have expressed? Yes, about please. This that's plan? what okay, I wanted great. to talk about today. Great. And it's you know it's funny. Even people who I'm I'm close with who they like Warren, they like Sanders, but they are they think that it's too radical. Mm-hmm. to go to Medicare for all. And someone was saying to me recently that she finds Obamacare, it was it's really complicated. And she's worried that if we switch systems, it's going to just be a lot of paperwork and a lot of confusion and people won't be trained in it and it'll be a mess and a nightmare. Uh, so that's one concern. How would you respond to that? Well, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Medicare is one of the efficient, most efficient run programs that we have as far as delivering health health insurance. Um, it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, but it's something that we're going to put into place fast that people automatically um, get Medicare when they're born. And so you won't have to fill out all these forms right now when children, um, I'm sorry, when, yeah, when children have, are born, you have to add them to your health insurance. And so it, it's a mess now. So Medicare right. for all isn't going to make anything worse and it's going to be better. You're automatically going to be um, insured. So Right. And what you get out of it is just so much, I mean, it's such a plus, right? It, it is. It you think about it, every anything. other industrialized country has some type of uh, universal healthcare coverage. Um, so it's not a radical idea. We are way behind in the times, and that's why people think it's radical, but it's not. Or else right. all these other countries wouldn't be able to do it successfully. Yeah. And what about the argument that it's, um, you know, not passable or it's not going to work right now? Well, um, I don't have the most recent statistics, but um, the vast majority of Americans, like 60% support Medicare for all. Um, a lot of people don't realize that about the same percent, about 60% of physicians support Medicare yeah. for all as well. So um, if it's something that you want to have, you just have to ensure that you're voting for the right. candidates who are committed to making it pass and it will. Right. Yeah. And also that's how things work historically. You push for something. And then Absolutely. it becomes the norm or it becomes the demand and, you know, it shifts the over and window. Um, what can you tell people about the limits of Obamacare? Oh, my goodness. Um, where, where can I start? So what Obamacare did is it insured more people. And yes, it has some good things like uh, you could stay on your parents insurance until you're 26, um, eliminating pre-existing conditions. Yes, there are some parts, good parts to it. But at the end of the day, we still have a um, private uh, health care system where individuals um, make profits off of us being sick and denying us care, which is not right. And what I've noticed just over the years before Obamacare, but especially after, is that more and more costs are being shifted to the individual. Like I said, when I was a kid, I remember going to a pharmacy, getting my acne medicine for free. Nowadays, that doesn't happen with co-pays, deductibles, co-insurances, et cetera, et cetera. Every year, I'm getting more and more patients come into my office and say, Dr. Dooley, unfortunately, they want to come see me when they need to see me. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to see you as much as I um, would like to. My employer switched to a high deductible plan. Right. You know, the low deductible plan is going to cost a lot more, which is not going to be affordable for my family. So it's a huge problem. We are a nation of underinsured. Yes, right. we have health insurance, but we're still underinsured. And there's still about 45 million uh, Americans that are uninsured. So it did not change the problem of being underinsured. It did not address the problem of people having to pay more and more out-of-pocket costs in addition to the co-pays, deductibles, and your premium. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it also, I mean, in some ways it did bad, like it was bad PR for- It was. Right? It for, was. for increased- um, because Obamacare was so complicated and so insufficient, uh, it probably turned some people off from, you know, this is what they think of government health care. And yeah. the reason why it's so complicated is because we still have private insurance um, payers, which we right. we need to eliminate or not even eliminate, not even outlaw them. But if met, we pass Medicare for all, which is so good, it comes out of your taxes and the vast majority of people are going to pay no more in taxes. Uh, I'm sorry, no more in healthcare costs when you factor in your premiums and stuff than they are now. So if we pass Medicare for all where you can go to your doctor and you can go to the hospital and you can leave and pay nothing, it's kind of like what would the point be of private insurance. So you have to think of it like that. Right. Um, And what uh, what other uh, arguments um, do you hear that you that you think need to be dispelled about Medicare for all? 
okay, well, people are concerned that, oh, we're going to lose all of our doctors because they're not going to get paid as much, um, uh, insinuating that, yes, doctors do get paid a higher salary compared to a lot of Americans, but you have to factor in all the time and effort that we waste on administrative red tape. Um, about 30% of current health spending is wasted on administrative tasks. And now with all these private payers that all have different medications that are covered and all these, like I said, they, they profit off of denying you care. So I'm spent doing my time throughout the day um, answering phone calls from um, pharmacies. Oh, this medicine's not covered. And then I switch it to another medicine. Okay, this medicine's not covered. Um, I spend a ton of, of time filling out papers, trying to convince my patient's insurance plan why they deserve a special medication or test that I think they deserve as a physician. And so doctors can spend anywhere from six to 20 hours a week just doing stupid tasks like that, depending on what your specialty is, what your payer mix, et cetera, et cetera. And just doctors are getting frustrated with it. That's why the vast majority of them support a single payer Medicare for all system. Single payer is a key word. We're not one where you have these Medicare supplemental buy-in public options. We're talking about a single payer Medicare for all systems. When my patients with Medicare need imaging like a CAT scan, I just write them the order. They go get it. I don't have to call anybody and convince them why it's necessary. So um, in the overall scheme of things, some doctors might be getting paid a little less um, per office visit, but we're going to have so much more time to actually take care of our patients. Physician burnout is a key issue. A huge part of why physicians are burnt out is because all of this administrative red tape. Right. So if we could eliminate that, it's going to make our lives so much more valuable overall. That is absolutely worth it. So what did this, this may be a stupid question, but Sanders no. said on, during the debate, he was like, it's the anniversary, uh, you know, of, uh, of a Medicare for all, or no, no, a Medicare and Medicaid under LBJ. And he said that, you know, it's not going to be that hard to do this. And he said from 65 to 55 to 45 to 35, but isn't met. What is that? I thought Medicare for all was for everyone of every age. It is absolutely. Medicare for all is to ensure everybody as soon as they're born. So, but as we're talking about, some people are concerned about the complexity of switching over and it being a mess. Um, different candidates have different plans of how long it's going to take for once um, the president who's going to pass it passes it to it's going to extend to everybody. Okay. So if oh, I'm president, it. if I become president, you know, in 2020, the next day I'm in office to have everybody covered under Medicare would be an impossible task. Sure. So some people like Harris have this 10 year plan, right. which is laughable to roll it out. And um, Sanders, uh, Senator Sanders has a four year plan to roll it out. And then there's some other bills that have a two year plan to make it all happen. So eventually the age is going to go down to zero and it absolutely needs to happen right. within the first term of a presidency Got to it. make it work. And how does, uh, Sanders bill stand out from others um, is 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 Warren's bill the, the best after his or do we not even know that much about it or Katie maybe you can help me I don't know much about Warren's don't bill worry at about all it, yeah. and I've, I've looked I think online the issue, there's yeah. nothing on our website I've, I'm right. sure she's co-sponsored Sanders and some other right. people's Medicare for all bills but there's nothing on her website and I looked and I'm not saying this as a dig at her I really like yeah, yeah. her um, right. but uh, there is a with Bernie Sanders' plan, it's different, is that he is making it so that everything is covered and, and he's eliminating this like public option thing where you still have private insurers who, at the end of the day, their ultimate goal is to make some profit from themselves. Right. Um, he plans on implementing Medicare for all over the first term of his presidency. So over the four years, like he just said, the age will drop down to zero. How does it stand out for other plans? Well, Harris has a plan where it will take 10 years. Um, like I said, that's impossible. Um, it can't take 10 years to enact something. You're, the maximum you could be a president for is eight years. Right. So that makes absolutely no sense. Um, so there is another bill um, that's not Jayapal's um, bill, I believe, from oh, Medicare yeah. for All. Premala, that, Congresswoman Premalas? Yes. Premala Jayapal, yeah. Yes. And that is also another excellent Medicare for All bill that I believe um, her plan is to make sure that it gets done in the in two years. The age mm -hmm. gets lowered to zero in two years. Wow. So at the end of the day, um, as far as the presidential candidates, to my knowledge, Senator Sanders is the only one who has a plan that the Medicare for All is going to cover uh, dental, it's going to cover vision, and it's going to be enacted over his first term. 
And why do people uh, laugh off, uh, or I guess, what do you say to people who laugh off dental care? Oh my goodness. Have you heard people do that? Yeah, I know. I mean, I just actually today I I went to the gym and um, I saw, I was talking to someone who is getting two, she's having oral surgery to remove two of her molars or no wisdom teeth, but she needs four removed and they'll only cover two of the four. Um, And she gets headaches. Um, yeah, right. so yeah. dental care is health care. Right. Mental health care is health care. Right. So all these things need to be important. And, and yeah. another important distinction, and you might be getting to it, I don't mean to um, step on your toes, no, no, yeah. is that some people believe that with Medicare for all, it's going to be exactly like our current system of Medicare. And that's false. So Medicare for all is going to be a single payer system that's going to be better than our current Medicare. Um, and so I can understand why people get confused because right. they both have Medicare, the term Medicare. And so currently with Medicare, 80% of your costs are covered. It doesn't include dental and vision. But with the Medicare for all plan, like Senator Sanders' plan, um, 100% of your costs will be included. So you will be go- able to go to your doctor and go to the hospital and leave and when you leave, you have nothing to pay. Right. So that's a key distinction. Medicare, Medicare for all, that is a single payer plan that does not make these public options and, and Medicare Advantage restrictions is going to be cost savings. It's going to cost you $0 to go to your doctor. You are not going to have to change your doctor because it's going to be a single payer system so that all doctors are going to accept it. Now, again, if you're scared that you're going to lose your doctor, um, there might be some doctors who are older and who are going to retire soon anyway, who might retire. But at the end of the day, we're going to have so much more freedom. We're going to have so much less time spent on administration and so much more time spent on our patients that this is going to make the vast majority of physicians' lives better. Yeah. And another reason why I feel like uh, Sanders Medicare for all plan is better, especially physicians, for a few physicians who might be on the physician on the fence is that he also has a plan to cancel um, student debt. And right. to become a physician, you can have anywhere from two hundred to $350,000 in student loans. And where he stands out in his cancel student debt solution um, compared to like Warren's, who again, I like, right. is that her plan only cancels up to $50,000 for certain income brackets. And so, um, especially for somebody like a primary care physician like me, who typically makes less than specialists, mm-hmm. um, erasing that $250,000 of student loan debt, um, Medicare for all, somebody like me who's a physician and has a high income, we're going to pay more in taxes. But if I'm canceling my student debt, then I'm still ahead. Why would I not support it? Me, I came, I went into medicine because I'm passionate. Even if I made a little less money, I would still support it. But from the physicians who are more financially motivated, if they look at all of Sanders' policies, they would see um, that a Sanders presidency would be so much beneficial for them. Right. Got to get the radiologist on board, right? Yes. <laughs> there, my dad's a doctor, so I grew oh, up. Uh, he's a psychiatrist, yeah. So, um, but he's like a real MD. Not, I don't mean that in a dismissive way towards other he's psychiatrists. An MD, not he's an MD, PhD. but yeah, and he's like, but he's very psychopharmacological, mm-hmm. and he actually started out in immunology. Oh wow! And then shifted, yeah. So, um, and he of course believes in Medicare for all, Yay. and um, yeah. But I grew up knowing, thinking, you know, hearing about radiologists being very. Not all radiologists, but that's a, you know, you, you don't have to interact with patients a lot, right? And you get paid right. a lot per, per thing, per slot, whatever you look at. Um, right. And you um, talked about in this great, oh, so wait, tell me about how you became a Sanders surrogate again, what that was like. Well, um, I support Sanders since 2016. Originally, the reason why I supported him was because he was one of the only candidates. Well, we had way fewer candidates last cycle, but anyway, who was supporting right. Medicare for all. And yeah. Like I said, because um, I'm so frustrated that I just want to go to work and take care of my patients and know that they're going to be able to get the medication that I write from them um, and know that if they do have to go, if, if I do have to call them and they have to go to the ER, the first question or first statement is not going to be, well, Dr. Dooley, I'm not going to be able to afford that. Right. So that's what um, attracted me to his his administration. And then I just tweet, to be honest, I just tweet and I'm very passionate. And then I, I connected with um, some of the people, uh, Senator Nita Turner, who's yeah. phenomenal, and some yeah. of the people who work in his campaign through um, Twitter. And then um, in 2016, every time he was in Michigan, I was not home, Katie. So I just, oh, kept, no. I just kept missing him. Um, but this time he had a fundraiser in um, Detroit recently, and I was finally able to meet him. Um, and that was, like I said, a dream of mine since the last presidential cycle. So I'm just, great. 
And what was he like when you met him? Did he wave his finger in your face and he say, "I don't, I don't, I don't care about you because you're black and a woman"? To two no, groups that I hate. Absolutely about, I not. Hate. Yeah. He smiled. I mean, there's a photo on Twitter. You can see. I yeah, saw. He yeah. Smiled. He, you know, drew me in to take the photo. He. Right. I mean, it was just amazing. He, and he did that with everybody, not just me. Yeah. Um, everybody. He waited for everybody to have their photo. And um, he has a, a, a busy schedule. I know he'd been in, in Michigan and in uh, California and then back to Michigan. And I flew from Michigan to California and came back. And I like sat on the couch for like a day afterwards. I don't yeah. know how he does it. Right. And you're younger than him. Way younger. Yeah. Um, and what do you think about... Um, the the narrative about the about Sanders being supported by straight white dudes about being oh, bad on racial justice on issues about for women like we saw that Mimi mm-hmm. fa- Mimi Roca who locks up black and brown people for a living and is worth right. five million dollars um, who said it makes you know Sanders makes her skin crawl and she doesn't mm-hmm. even know why which is interesting for someone who went to Harvard undergrad NYU yeah. law school was a federal prosecutor is makes her case like convinces people for a living who has um, no support and she, of why yeah. she feels like that. Right. Which yeah. then I realized someone pointed out to me probably is a trick that she used. Well, me, okay. Not to, to be. but it yeah, because she be probably because... knows that's what works on, for jurors, even though usually because on a, probably on a jury, you know, a judge would strike that, but you can say whatever you want on TV, you know, then she became a victim and she had to, I don't know. You, I mean, I know that you see patients who die because they don't have coverage, but Mimi Roca has her own cross to bear, which is that, she um, got mentions in her, her and had you know, to log off and for had, like you know, the trauma eight hours. Of, right, yeah, right. The horror. Um, well, that's why I appreciate people like you and people like Nina Turner. Nina Turner and um, that's funny. You just the, said her name like a uh, like you pulled Senator. the Sanders, yeah, <laughs> Senator Sanders, Nina Turner, Turner. yeah, um, who are good about dispelling that myth. Um, the vast majority of people who I know support Sanders are women and people of color. Um, all the love I get on Twitter from all of the female birdie bros. Um, anybody can Google and find out that Sanders support has a huge amount of support in the African-American community, the Latino community. So, I mean, you so yeah, like you said, especially somebody as educated as her, all she had to do was Google it. That's right. why it seems even extra disingenuous because right. it's just a flat out lie. It's a myth. Anybody with a computer can dispel that. Right. Yeah. And also if, if you, you know, right. You, it's the, the numbers are there. Although I have to say it is kind of hard because the media pushes the other it narrative is, so hard. It is. But again, she's a, you know, she, it's, she should be as someone who's on national television, she should be doing her homework. To have some facts. Um, some yeah. Facts. And also she probably hangs out with people who of course don't have like, you know, her, I'm sure her cocktail party circuit doesn't uh, represent most, um, it does people in general most women absolutely not yeah and yeah i feel like i i mean i've said this before but i feel like i go cra- I, I, sometimes i'm like am i going crazy right. it's gaslighting it is it's absolute yeah. gaslighting like i said I, I know so many wonderful women who support sanders um there was a ton of women at his event here in detroit and if you look up any of his rallies there's always a ton of women um and it's just a myth um why would you and it's kind of like insulting okay right. when you think about the policies that he supports medicare for all cancel student debt um why would not why wouldn't women be attracted to those policies right do you think that black women um, are not that we don't think that we deserve our student debt to be canceled, or right. do you think that we don't deserve to have health care as a human right? Why would we not support right. him? So right. it, it's insulting on so many levels. But to say that black women don't like a candidate whose policies directly will make our lives better, like why wouldn't we? Right. Yeah. Brianna Joy Gray wrote this great piece a couple years ago. Um, I think for Current Affairs, saying Bernie Sanders doesn't have a black um, people problem. He has a pundit problem i remember that yeah, yeah. i remember that um, and so yeah and then so what happens is you know just like there's the there's very selective representation or political ideology is represented in the media so right. people hear that and then they think that you know joanne reed speaks for the entire population of black women which is also <sighs> insulting because it, is. it, it is. makes it like there's a monolith like there's the black female voice right um and black people uh, have politics 
that range, just like every other group of people. Just like every other group. But yeah. when you think that – I'm so passionate about Senator Sanders because his policies help everyone. Right. Um, but especially if you look at it, Fight for 15. Yeah, exactly. Um, cancel student debt. All these programs help everyone. But because uh, women of color are disproportionately affected by these right. things, it affects – it benefits us even more. Right. So why yeah. wouldn't he have a strong following? Again, that doesn't mean that every single black sure. woman follows right. him. But right. that he does absolutely have a strong following of women and people of color right and it's also a question of exposure right like the more people who know him right. um the more that he's liked i mean it, it wasn't Absolutely. there's not this hatred that people have of him on tv like the rokas and the and the am joy you know the um joanne reeds or right. the uh who else like um maddow now at this point i mean she's not quite as bad as the other ones but there is this visceral hatred that i just i'm like what what is what's hap- what's wrong? Is it like well class interest? Is it a they? I mean, I think a, a lot of ish, yeah, issue. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of people as far as uh, healthcare CEOs that make right. uh, tens of millions of dollars, they have a lot to stand a lot to sure. lose. Right. So I understand their pushback, um, but that's why we need people like you um, getting the voice out um, and dispelling some of these myths that the one percent want us to believe that right. we can't afford nice things, that we can't afford tax cuts for them, but we can't afford to share. Sure, everyone is exactly. a human right. And you right. have to remember, even with our current system of healthcare, some people think that um, it's all paid for, for by private employers. It's not. 60% of current healthcare spending is financed by taxpayers, either right. by tax right. dollars or tax credits. Right. So only private business funds fund less than 20% of total health spending. Wow. So this these myths have to be addressed. But if you have people who stand to lose sponsors, if they have somebody coming and, and, and presenting these facts, well, then I understand why they try to suppress them um it's not right sure um, but right. that's the point that's where they're coming from they're coming from corporate uh, financial interests that aren't the same interests as the everyday average american right and these people have you know they do tons of research they know what lines will work on people they're talking their sound bites that are, are simple and appealing and people repeat them another one is that like sanders has great ideas um but, uh, you know, what are his plans? What are his policies? And my response to that is like, and you know this better, so I'll, I'll pass it to you. But I just think, well, if Physicians for National Health are on board and they are doctors, but they're also serious about policy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I just trust Sanders to work with good policy people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and another thing is Sanders and Warren. They're not exactly the same, but a lot of people love Warren, but you hate Sanders. I don't understand how that, I mean, they, they both believe that healthcare is a human right, even though the details of her uh, plan, which would be her plan as a president are are iffy. Um, They both believe that we should cancel student debt, but one of them believes you should cancel all all of it. And the other one believes that you should cancel some of it. Um, So I don't understand why you would like one, but not the other. I think that there's some of this, like I, and I don't have a psychology degree or anything, um, but I think that some people were so identified so strongly with Hillary Clinton and they saw him as unfairly blocking her coronation, basically. Exactly. Um, and they have this visceral hatred of him. Then I also think that some people, um, honestly, uh, uh, don't have this is and this is a problematic thing to say but i think some women haven't worked out some stuff with some men in their lives i know this is like you don't have to sign on to this victoria i'm just (laughs) saying this but i think there's a visceral thing i think that actually because sanders is so down to earth i think he triggers people more than other politicians because they he reminds them of their father their grandfather or their um uh whatever some guy that they did organizing with and you know this 1960s but it is yeah like how could you possibly hate one of them and like and like the other one and also you see that they like each other sanders and warren like they're running against each other but you know he only ran in 2016 because she didn't want to Mm -hmm. he asked her to run and she said no and that's why he entered and you know they're it's they were so cute in the debate the other day like they they had each other's backs they did um and, and that's that what we moving. need to see more of. And that's what is frustrating because there's all these other candidates on oh the my stage. God. John Delaney needs to shut up. That Sorry. we can't, that there's not enough time for right. people to hear more about Bernie Sanders' policy. The more people hear about Sanders, yeah. the more people like him. And so that's right. why the media is trying so hard to suppress him. Um, if you right. look back to 2016, when we had the debates here in Michigan, when yeah. it was Hillary and it was Sanders and her answers and some of the fracking issues and what to do about Flint compared to his. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's why he won Michigan. Right. The more people 
hear about him and his passion, the more they like him. And so what can you um, say bad about him? Oh, you know, he, he talks too he loud. Yells. He yeah. wags his finger. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end and of the everyone, day. by the way, not just women. And, right. Yeah. And, and it is these extremely superficial things. At I the know. end of the day, I want a president who's going to make sure that I can go to the doctor and that I'm not going to go bankrupt from it. And I want to president who's going to make sure that if I get cancer and I lose my job that I don't still will be able to get my cancer treatments because I'm not going to lose my insurance so so if he is passionate about it um the media is trying to make his passion look bad but everybody who sees him in person it just like I said all the don't he has more donors than anyone else yeah that new study yeah so the more people hear about him the more they like him but the problem was in 2016 and now it's just that the overall media is not giving him enough time no i know he and, i mean and why do they think that we want to hear from delaney so much they don't i it's mean a, that, yeah well, so as, as the, Sanders, their yeah. whole point people like delaney their whole point is to get people from the left hey let's push us back to the center right that's exactly. the only reason why they're running it's yeah. the corporate interest to push us to the center so that the top one percent won't lose their tax cuts i mean that's that's all that it is the top one percent doesn't want to lose their tax cuts um and, and it's not right and and katie you have to think about this as a physician I'm more fortunate than a lot of other people in the country. Um, and some zip codes, uh, my household might be considered a 1% household for the state. But so my taxes will go up. Um, the average persons won't, but my taxes will go up. But right. at the end of the day, I'm still passionate about it because it's the right damn thing to do. The bottom line is people should not be going bankrupt because they can't afford their medical bills. Diabetics should not be dying because they're rationing their insulin. It's the right thing to do. But these huge 0.1% mega billionaires, they don't care. They don't have common human decency and love for their fellow man. If they did, the prices of insulin would not be the what they are nowadays. Right. It wouldn't. Yeah. Imagine being being watching that debate then and you're up the thing that you're upset about isn't the thing that Sanders is yelling about, which is people dying because of, of corporate greed, people dying of things that they could easily treat with coverage. But you're mad about his tone of voice. Like, yeah, and some people, where are you in terms of justice if that's what bothers you? And some people just talk louder than others. I mean, it's just absolutely yes. ridiculous. And yeah. remember, even 2016, I don't remember what sparked it, but was it the same thing as voice when we were trending toned down for what? Turned down for what? Oh my God! Really? Do you remember that? No. You don't remember the oh, that's down great. For, yeah, in 2016, yeah. I don't remember what well, sparked it. I vaguely it, remember it. But it was a we pro were, Sanders thing. Um, yes, we were like yeah, toned oh, down for what? People right. are dying because yeah. you know they can't afford their health care. Yeah, and it's also funny because there's so much weaponization of identity politics to smear Sanders, and yet, um, and he never talks about this. But there, he is very Jew. I mean, I say this as a New York Jew like a secular New York Jew, he has a very Jewish style to him. Mm-hmm. Like the yelling, the wagging the finger, I call that Jew sticulating when you move your hands a lot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no one's ever sensitive to that at all. But and when you think about it, you can't criticize him for his policies. You really can't. Right, exactly. You, you so they have to, to focus on these superficial things. You right. can't try to pretend that you can by saying, oh, you know, by just basically lying, everybody's going to be paying more. That's not true. Right. We already spend more than of any other industrialized country for healthcare. We might as well be getting something for it right. so why are we spending all this money and when we still go to the hospital we still have major bills to pay we still go bankrupt why yeah so you really can't criticize him on the policy why i mean right so you have to talk that. about the, right the biggest resistance to that is oh well that's not fair because oh my I, gosh. I just paid off my student loans right i mean yeah. what are we supposed to say it just makes right. no sense that if, if that's the mentality we would never progress as a society because right. whenever we make a change for the better if our um, re- rebuttal is going to be, well, that's not fair to the people who didn't have it better. Right. We right. are never going to advance as a society. Right. So like I said, you can't really um, criticize him for his policy. So you just make up stuff at right. the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the, such a frustrating uh, argument I hear is the, um, it's not fair to cancel student debt or because, or it's not fair to have free college tuition for public at public schools because it helps the rich and it's a handout for them. It's like, wait, are you serious? Right. Like, since when like, do you think a universal? Pro- yeah. Do you know that that have um, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt that they owe to public universities? There right. Are not right. First, they're of going all, to right? private universities. Yeah. So I mean, and and also it's it's since when do we not believe in in universal programs? That's what right. makes them 
that much more viable. That's what makes them harder to slash. And how are we going to pay for some of these policies? We're going to have a progressive tax, taxes, right. where their taxes will go up. Right. So at the end of the day, yeah, they might be getting some benefit. Right, exactly. But That's with true. the progressive right. taxes, they're also paying, paying, into, their the, paying into the benefit. Right. So it's exactly. just nonsensical arguments. And when you think about it, when you think them through, like we just did, they make no sense. But right. it's all that the media can do to put out there right. to protect the people who pay them um, and to protect the people who bribe politicians. That's all you can do is put out myths that if you think through them, they just logically don't make sense. Right. Um, the people who say, oh, somebody told me, yeah, you're really like um, Sanders Medicare for all when you're making $15 an hour, which there's nothing wrong with making $15 an hour. So it's a livable wage. But as a physician, for somebody to go from making what an average physician makes to go to $15 an hour, we wouldn't be able to live. So the fact that you're seeing that our change in income is going to be that huge, it's just a flat out right. myth. It's yeah. no viable First way for not. that to happen. Right. If my overall pay goes down a little bit, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be okay. Right. Because I went into the healing professions to help people be healthy. Um, I get My job satisfaction is decreased by this administrative right. tape that we have. And that I'm writing medications or treatment plans for my patients that they just can't afford. Yeah. I don't get any satisfaction um, when my patients can't follow the advice and get the treatments that I need. It actually decreases my satisfaction. And that's the way most physicians feel. Yes, there's some bad apples in any group you're talking about. Right. But most physicians went into the field because they want to help people. We don't get any satisfaction of writing treatments and tests and medications that people can't afford. Right. And honestly, if you make it more affordable, you know, and you cancel student you'll have these you'll have people who want to help people right. who are committed to healing mm -hmm. and not you know preventative profit. medicine yeah preventative exactly medicine i have way too many people who who say that um you know why'd you wait so long i couldn't afford it at the end right. of the day that's well, why yes. i waited so long exactly so and let's eliminate right. that let's eliminate the 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 financial hurdles to right. people staying healthy and also for the doctors right so if you're going to school now more people who have a real commitment to healing will be able to become doctors. Right. And as you said, those bad apples, you know, they're, they, they'll be counteracted by, outweighed by these, these other doctors. Mm -hmm. um, you actually, speaking of, of delayed, you know, what's the expression? Justice denied is, uh, justice delayed is justice denied. And same thing can be said for healthcare. Even, I mean, that's a, an incredibly stark example of it. You talk about a patient who came in with abdominal pain. Can you, um, can you share that story? I do. So I had a, a lovely lady and um, she didn't have insurance before she turned 65. She had retired early and, and she couldn't afford to, to pay into Obamacare because in the state of Michigan, um, some Obamacare plans, you pay this premium, right? But you still have some type of deductible depending on gold premium if you didn't meet the income requirements to get the, the government to subsidize a huge portion of it. Um, some people in Michigan were paying for uh, Obamacare and they were still having like a $6,000 deductible. So they just decided that it wasn't worth it. And so since she started having this abdominal pain and weight loss a couple years before she was 65, she just decided that she was going to wait until she got her Medicare um, before she go to the went to the doctor and got it worked up. So I saw her um, after she got her Medicare and after she went to another doctor who couldn't find out what was wrong with her. And um, she had lost by 30 pounds by this time. So this was like a couple years after. And again, the abdominal pain and the kind of bloating, it had started well before she turned 65, but she just didn't go to the doctor because she couldn't afford it at the end of the day. And so, um, and she was just like, when you saw her, she's such a wonderful person, you would not imagine that she was over 65. She's just so youthful and vibrant. And so at the end of the day, um, she did get the treatment, start the treatment for it because she had Medicare and it was more affordable. But like two months later, I got a call from the oncologist, a cancer specialist, that there's it was so advanced there was nothing more that they could do for her. So they and figured out it was so so it was diagnosed as ovarian cancer. Yes. That's and why that she had lost so much weight and had abdominal bloating and discomfort for over a year before she got a Medicare and didn't seek treatment for it. And um, it had spread. And it became to the point where they were attempting treatments, but it, it just gotten so bad that um, the family had opted to put her on hospice and, and, and stop fighting it. They agreed that that was, was best for her. Yeah. And so if she 
had Medicare at the age of zero, which is ultimate plan of Medicare for all, she would have been able to go to the doctor when the symptoms started as opposed to waiting for Medicare. Right. And I hear that often. I know, again, a single payer Medicare for all system is going to be better than the Medicare that we have now. But I hear that fairly commonly from people who are almost at Medicare age, like they just turned 60, that they're waiting for Medicare, um, like colonoscopies for one thing. Mm. You start getting right. those at age 50. So with about with Obamacare, now a screening preventative service like a colonoscopy is usually covered. But I've had patients who tell me, you know what, I don't want to get the colonoscopy because until I get Medicare, because if I get the colonoscopy right now, and it turns out I do have colon uh, cancer, I'm not going to be able to afford my deductibles, wow, co-insurances, right. etc. to treat it. Right. And it's, it's just so frustrating for yeah. me as a doctor and heartbreaking that people yeah. have to make these decisions. Um, every week, Katie, every week I have a patient, I call them and I tell them that I need them to either go to the ER or see a specialist or get a test because of some of the work that I've done, um, I'm concerned that there's something, you know, pretty, right. pretty major going on. And they always say, you know, oh my God, goodness, that's going to cost me a ton of money because again, Obamacare did nothing to address its costs of shifting costs sharing to the individual with these rising co-pays, deductibles, et cetera. So every week it's somebody who's like, the first thing is not, oh, you know, I'm glad we caught it. You know, what can I do? I want to do as soon as possible. It's, oh no, there's going to be this unexpected bill. This might bankrupt me. Right. Yeah. It's and, really killing people. And that's not the type of medicine I want to practice. That's not the type of medicine any physician wants to practice. Right. And of course, um, we saw it was like one of the best parts of the of the debate um, was when Sanders said to Jake Tapper, you're using Republican talking points, which mm -hmm. I had just said that to my friend. Yeah. And I was like, he hears me. I'm just, but I'm <laughs> um, and he said, and by the way, pharmaceutical companies are going to be advertising tonight. And sure and enough, they, and they were. They were. Yeah. It's one of their propaganda. Um, it is. And yeah, it, yeah. it is so ridiculous. I can order some medications wholesale from uh, my account, like some of the office supplies I get around the office. Um, one of my suppliers also gives medications. And I've had patients who, with insurance, because insurance is allowed to charge you, each individual insurance makes up whatever price they're going to allow for a medication. So let's say there's a medication that insurance allows to be charged at $200. But right. if you have a deductible, you have to pay that whole $200. It's like with your car. You have to kick in that deductible before your insurance comes into play. But some of these medicines that are generic, I can go look on the website of my supplier. I can get the medication for like a tenth of the cost, like you can in Tana, like $25 for right. medicine that with insurance is going to cost you $200. So I'm like, well, you know, that's not right. Right. And um, tell us about the Cardi B um, retweet. Okay. Um, so I had uh, a little while ago made a video um, talking about how me as a physician, um, I'm frustrated that my patients can't get the care we need because people are underinsured. Um, I had a I had a patient. She was from a, a country where they do provide uh, medical care for all, like most other uh, every other actually industrialized country. And um, she was trying to find out if the office visit was going to co be covered. So she was in the in the lobby talking to her health insurance, and she just got so frustrated. And I understood her frustration. This is how all Americans feel. But it was new to her because her country guaranteed health care. You go see the doctor with no cost. And finally, she just like, you know, got so frustrated and said, I'm sorry, I'm just going to wait till I go back home to, to see the doctor because, you know, we don't have to do this in my country. Right. Um, and so I made a video about it. And um, one day Cardio B, Cardi B retweeted it. Um, yeah. I didn't even realize some of my followers told me. But yeah, it was just, I'm, I'm very passionate about people having healthcare because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of doctors who aren't as vocal as me, but who are just as passionate. Actually, the majority of doctors who support yeah. um, single payer Medicare for all are as passionate about me, but they might not be as vocal because there's really reasons. There's a lot of reasons why they shouldn't be. Um, some of their colleagues who are concerned about their taxes getting right. raised might, you know, give them a little push, a lot of pushback. Their employer might give them pushback. Um, so there's a lot of reasons that doctors aren't as vocal as me. But we're all very passionate about our patients not dying from illnesses right. that are too expensive for them to afford. Right. Um, and uh, you know, you wrote a piece about mammograms and how. Um, some people think they should be less frequent. The big pushback as far as uh, the breast cancer screening is um, 
radiation can cause cancer at high doses. Absolutely. Um, there, uh, are right. way, there are ways to do things with lower radiation than we did maybe 50 years ago. But another reason why I'm so passionate about um, some of these things like that are because of health disparities. So when you make these blanket statements like, oh, you don't need a mammogram until you're, uh, you know, 50 instead of 40. And, oh, you only need it every two or three years instead of every year. Who's going to get the short end of the stick? Poor people and uh, people, women of color. Right. Um, so we are less likely to get breast cancer, but more likely to die from it. Um, so for uh, you to tell somebody like me, uh, a woman of color, who's less likely to get breast cancer, but more likely to die from it, that, oh, yeah, we made this new guideline and you can extend the interval. I don't really trust that. I mean, African-American, we have a lot of reasons to be distrusting of, of the health community a little bit, just think of the DISCE experiments. But you're going to tell somebody oh, yeah. who's super high risk um, these guidelines, and they'll follow them for the high risk people. But the not high risk people will still get this test um, every year. And one of the things, I know we're going off the topic, but if you just let me and you can yeah, delete it or whatever, yeah. prostate cancer. So who's mm -hmm. more like, most likely to get prostate cancer? One of the highest risk groups of people are obese African-American men. So there's this whole school of thought now. Obese, okay, I didn't obese, hear what you said. Obese yeah. African-American men. So okay. now there's a whole school of thought that, oh, you don't need to get the PSA. That's a blood test that, you know, if it's raised, could indicate that you have prostate cancer. Oh, you know, maybe we're doing PSA a little bit too much. We right. should push back on this PSA test. But you know what? When you're talking about high-risk people, you can't stop doing PSA tests. Because what I see happen in actuality is when my obese black men go get a PSA and, and it's high, the, the doctors are like, oh, we can just watch and wait. But when right. the Caucasian men, the men that look like them, have an elevated right. PSA, they do the biopsy. They go all out to find to find out what's going on. Well, Caucasian male, even if their PSA is not high, even if it's just double, they'll get a full workup. But I'm giving you my right. highest risk men, and you're not working them up, and they're dying from it, Katie. I'm seeing this in the real world and real practice. It's crazy. It, it goes into the racism and some things that Medicare for All isn't going to address, and that's why we need to make education more affordable for more people of color, color who want to go in the health professions right. can do that without quartering, uh, getting a quarter of a million dollars worth of student debt. But because I'm a person of color, some of these guidelines that they follow for the highest wow. risk people, yeah. for the people of color, but they don't follow but they don't follow them for people that look like themselves. That's really frustrating for me. Right. So if, if you want to not get PSA in white men, that's fine. Don't get them in white men if you don't want to. They're not as likely to die from prostate cancer as black men. But my African American men, I get PSAs in them. I don't care what the guidelines say. It's going to save their life. Wow. And, and is this something that's genetic or is it a diet thing? Or We don't know. It's multifactorial racism. Obe obesity increases your risk of prostate cancer. Right. It's multifactorial. Uh, but at the bottom of the uh, end of the day, a lot of it boils down to race. It's stressful um, being a person of color in the U.S. It's right. stressful. And all that stress affects your heart. And, you know, it affects your health overall. So, right. so that's something, I mean, again, that's why that is something that can go hand in hand with well, as you pointed out, the more you, the fewer barriers there are to education, the more African-American doctors you get, the more Latino doctors you get, the more. Right. So um, we can have some equal representation right, right. for but, our but, population. Right. And, but this is not, again, this myth that somehow by going for Medicare for all, you're going to not do those other things that are so important that you're talking about. Um, another example is I know that like they use less anesthetic on, on black children than they do on white children. Um, which I, I read about a few years ago. Black women are less likely to be believed when they go to the ER with pain. Yeah. Um, they're more likely, the heart attack systems, uh, symptoms are more likely to be dismissed. Right. Um, it's ridiculous. So there is, is obviously disparity, but again, you do these things hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. And by providing uh, the eliminating the cost barriers, that's not the only thing we need to do to address health disparities, but that's a huge right. one. Eliminating yeah, exactly. costs as a barrier to going to see a doctor. Right. Once you get to the doctor, if they're going to take you seriously, I mean, that's another story we're going to address that too. Right. Exactly. But ultimately, the doctor's not going to take you seriously if you can't afford to see them. Yeah. If so, you don't even get there, they're not going right, to take you gotta seriously Right. We got to get to step one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, great. And anything else you want to... Oh, let me ask you this question from one person, from someone, if that's okay. Let's see. She goes, I guess my questions are, how will we pay for it? And then she writes in parentheses, I think Bernie has a plan for that. And then she says, how do we ensure that it rolls out without repeating mishaps similar to or worse than Obamacare? Example computer glitches, understaffing, poorly trained or poorly selected representatives, technological computer glitches that leave patients uninsured for three months, in my case, with a fractured foot, torn ligaments, tendons, and cartilage, and no coverage for MRI, x-ray, or treatment, or far worse, by the way, once the glitch was finally fixed, I got no back coverage for the x-ray, 
and Doc's visit I paid for out of pocket. If we're going to go through similar growing pains, then we're better off just adding a public option before more growing pains during transition can cost more lives. Okay. Oh, wait, so. sorry. Sorry, just adding. Then we're better off just adding a public option because more growing pains during transition can cost more lives. Yeah. Okay, so public option. Public option is bad for so many reasons. But at the end of the day, um, a public public option is not insuring everyone. And if you're going to have a, a lot of sick people buying into the public option, it's not going to be anything that's sustainable. Um, when you have something like a for-profit health insurance company, they're going to kind of pick and choose and cherry pick what patients they allow to buy into it. Um, so anyway, public option is, is not um, a sustainable or, or uh, a good solution. Um, how will we make sure that this is not going to be um, a lot of problems that pop up? Well, um, by eliminating the, the, the private payer piece, uh, Medicare is extremely effective. Um, I mean, at cost savings, you can Google it. It's, if you Medicare is very effective, our current Medicare, at what it does. And it does it at lower costs than um, private insurances. And we are taking people from being um, having all these limits and gaps in coverage that depend on what private payers paying for their insurance to universally covering everyone when they go to their doctor and when do they go to the hospital. So all we're doing is phasing in certain ages at a time, but we're covering everything. So there's not as much room for error when you're going from covering everything to allowing, as the government, covering everybody versus allowing all these private payers to make up these rules and set up these Obamacare type exchanges acts. It's still going to be a complicated and difficult process, but it's not going to be as difficult as the Obamacare process because, again, we already have a great system that works Medicare. We already have it. It's very effective. It's, it's more effective than the private insurances that we have out there now. So we're just going to expand that by decreasing the age down to zero. So we're not starting from scratch. We right. have Medicare. We're just going to lower the age and we're going to cover you for more things with Medicare and we're going to eliminate the additional costs that you have to pay as far as co-pays and deductibles, etc. There is a BernieTax.com. If you go to BernieTax.com, uh, it's a website and you can put in your income and you can put in how much you pay um, for healthcare costs with your uh, premiums and, and deductibles and everything. And it will tell you how much your taxes are going to change. Um, if anything, if they're going to go down for some people, they're going to stay about the same. Um, but the higher your income bracket, uh, again, high income earners, we ultimately might be paying a little bit more. So if you want to know how much is it going to cost you, you can go to BernieTax.com. And then, yes, absolutely. Senator Sanders absolutely does and lay out a plan to how they're going to pay for it. It's a very detailed document as far as taxi multimillionaires and, and, and uh, the employer's tax. And okay, the website for that is sanders.senate.gov backslash download backslash options to finance Medicare for all. And you can find that readily available. There's going to be a 7.5% 7, 7 income-based premium tax paid by employers. There's going to be your premium paid by the household. But remember, the, when you pay that premium um, in your taxes as a household, you won't have to pay your insurance premiums for private insurance and your co-pays and deductibles. There's going to be some savings from um, healthcare tax expenditures. Again, we uh, waste 60% of healthcare spending. I'm sorry, 30%. 30%, Katie, of current healthcare screening is wasted on administrative tasks. That's um, twice at what they spent, twice what they spend in Canada on administrative um, tasks. Um, so by transitioning to a single payer system, we're going to save um, an administrative costs, which are currently about $350 billion dollars that are wasted on administrative costs. And again, Canada, who has a single payer system, spends about half of that. Um, and we're going to make personal income tax more progressive so that if you make a lot more money, you're going to pay more. But if you don't make a lot of money, you're going to pay less or the same. There's going to be a wealth tax on the top 1% of individuals. Um, he's going to eliminate these tax breaks for the rich and in loopholes where they can hide money. Um, he's going to impose taxes on people who uh, hold money in offshore uh, profits. So again, the majority of these taxes are going to be imposed um, on multi-million and billionaires, not the average person. The average person uh, is going to pay less or the same, but you're going to get so much more because once you pay in your taxes and you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, you're not paying additional money in co-pays, co-insurances, deductibles, etc.
Well, um, thank you so much. Anything else you want to um, to talk to mention? Um, I think we covered it all. Just the big thing is um, people believe that Medicare for all is exact exact copy of Medicare. We're talking about a single payer system where uh, it's going to be better than our current version of Medicare, where more things are going to be covered and you actually will have to pay zero versus 20%. So I think that's important um, that a lot of people who don't follow standards as closely as I do, they hear the word Medicare and they know somebody on Medicare who does have to pay for their medications, who does have to pay some when they go to the doctor's visit. Well, we're getting rid of that. With yeah. the new Medicare for all, you won't have to pay any more at the cost, of, at the point of care. Well, great. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. Um, we'll have to uh, meet in person. I'm coming, to, I'm coming to New York. It's an easy plane ride. I'm oh, great. coming to New York to see you one day. We're, we're going to coordinate it before the yeah. end of the year. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. And where can people find you on Twitter? Any, anywhere else that you want to make sure? You, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Dooley, MD. That's at D-R-D-O-O-L-E-Y-M-D. Okay. And any website or anything? Not My website is www.drdooleymd.com. Great. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you, Katie. You too. Bye-bye. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova. 